Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And Gavin, we are finishing off our July mailbag today. Yeah, we are. Uh, a hypothetical Julius Randle trade. Russell Westbrook getting involved in the Donovan Mitchell deal. And what star power forward we'd like to see end up on your New York Knicks. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you guys making us part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are getting into the rest of our mailbag questions today. I'm not going to hold this up because we got like just enough to fill a robust final episode, but not enough to make two episodes. So we got we to gotta get right into it today. Uh, first question comes from Steve Thomas at DarkSteve590 on Twitter. Do you guys believe that Charlotte will try to trade for Randall if they don't re-sign Miles Bridges? For anyone not familiar with the situation, uh, the Miles Bridges thing seeming pretty unlikely considering he is dealing with some very uh, legitimate, it seems like, uh, domestic abuse allegations. So, yeah, there does seem to be sort of a gaping hole there for a a scoring power forward so gavin how do you feel about charlotte as a potential julius randall destination pretty good i think he makes a lot of sense for charlotte first of all um particularly with no bridges there bridges was their leading scorer a year ago and obviously randall doesn't represent the same ceiling but and 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 a different player type to some extent but the idealized version of randall that we always talk about again not not the vertical athlete that a Bridges is, but someone who can roll hard and finish around the rim, someone at his best, we've seen shoot it pretty well from three-point range, someone who can uh, take up possessions as an isolation maven. And the thing, it's sort of weird, because you look at the Hornets roster and they're all offensive first guys, but they don't really have a high-volume number one option at this point. Gordon Hayward is, is getting a little old, obviously extraordinarily injury-prone. Terry Rozier has games where he looks incredible, but isn't really consistent night to night. And LaMelo Ball, you still want more so as your primary playmaker than your primary scorer. So there's a really big gap there. And at least my instinct is with Charlotte is that they don't want to necessarily take a step back, right? They they don't want to take this year and tank. Even if if I were running the Hornets, I'd say we're, we're pretty much sitting everyone down the stretch. LaMelo Ball, you, your ankle is sore. <laughs> Terry Rozier, you have a headache. Um, on and on and on and on. But if, I, I don't know if they want to go that way. And if they don't, I think Randall makes a whole lot of sense there. And him and LaMelo could be a pretty fascinating pick and roll combo. Again, if you can convince Julius Randall that that is in his best interest and maybe in a new environment, that would be feasible. From the Knicks perspective, we've said it a million times, right? I, I'm all in on doing whatever you need to do to get off Julius Randall. And I think if you acquire Donovan Mitchell, 
that becomes even more essential to open that time up for Obi Toppin, a guy who fits in much more as a playmaker. If you're the Knicks, Alex, we were talking about this pre-show. You suggested this all the way back in April, so I got to give you credit. If you can get P.J. Washington and just kind of filler in a deal back for Randall, I'm totally fine for that because all I really want is a functional backup power forward. And P.J. Washington is like a pretty versatile defender or someone who can shoot a little bit, good athleticism around the rim. That's all I need in my backup four. Yeah, and and Washington is sort of a a four five hybrid. Like if you ever get another coach that is more willing to go small, I think Washington could be an interesting guy to throw out there with an Obi Toppin. Um, he's definitely a guy that I would that I would try to get in this deal, even if you can't get picks or whatever. And you know, there's a few different avenues you could go if you want to try to like sort of help the Hornets out here. You could either take Kelly Oubre who I believe, I mean, his salary is still, at least on basketball reference, showing up as unguaranteed. I don't know if that has like a like a camp guarantee date or something, but um, even if it doesn't, you know, even if you just eat his salary and just waive him for this year, he makes about $12.5 million. So that could be a way to get you pretty close to making the deal work. Randall makes like, I think, 26-ish million for this year. Uh, Washington plus Ubre would get you to around 18 million. So you'd probably still need to find like one more filler salary to go with that. Maybe like Nick Richards would get you. There I, I just like did that. it. So Nick, Nick Richards, Ubre and Washington works. There we go. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think that that would be a pretty interesting deal. Even if you don't get any pick comp back, you know, you just roll with Washington then and do that. You could also, I mean, if they're willing to attach a little bit of pick compensation, uh, I think you could take back Gordon Hayward also, who I think still has maybe some utility as long as he can stay healthy. But that's obviously a huge, huge caveat because he's just like not a healthy player, uh, you know, especially at this stage of his career. It seems like he he struggles to even play like 50 percent of the games any given year. Um, so he makes a ton of money for that as well. But a guy that the Knicks were linked to a couple years ago and sort of had a walkaway number four that they walked away from and let uh, Charlotte instead pay him the big contract. So maybe could, I guess, get their own little weird version of a do-over and get him on the Knicks to be like just sort of a utility backup 3-4 in his own way. You could even just do, I mean, even if you took PJ out of it, which, you know, I really like PJ, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. You could just do a, a Randall for Hayward swap, most likely, and just attach some sort of pick compensation to come to the Knicks for obviously taking on the more onerous salary there. Um, And, you know, the guy that can't really stay on the floor and then just sort of let the chips fall where they may maybe work out something where, you know, Hayward can play. I mean, I assume that this would probably be the case anyway, but where he plays like 20 to 25 minutes a game in a backup role, maybe that preserves his health better. Um, And I think he would be a pretty, Pretty great piece off the bench, if that's the case. Like, one of the better bench players in the whole NBA. Dude, you... Rhodes, Quickly, Grimes, Hayward, Hartenstein is a bench lineup. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. That's pretty nasty. And he, he could pass. He could shoot. He dribble. He can do, like, everything. I mean, he was once a, like, not a capital S star, but he was a star wing, you know, in the NBA at one point. Uh, that's commanded a lot of big contracts with good reason. So, yeah, I I... I even like that idea, I, th- I do think that Charlotte makes a lot of sense where they were on the upswing and now due to this unfortunate event with their you know current restricted free agent power forward, uh, 
Um, unfortunate just in a basketball sense, to be clear. I mean, it's not unfortunate that he's uh, being charged if he did actually do those things. But, um, you know, it, I think that they make a really good potential target here for Randall. Like maybe one of the best ones other than like the Lakers, who we've also discussed a lot uh, in the whole NBA right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so intrigued by the like you 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 got my mind going with with the Hayward suggestion because the the bench unit. I mean, and this is obviously assuming no Donovan Mitchell trade. There's already just like so much passing and shooting and collective IQ, and the Hornets have have been dramatically better when Hayward's on the court the last few years. Like he might he might have lost a little bit of a step, obviously after that severe injury in Boston, and he's entering like like you you could say mid 30s at this point, but. He is just a fantastically like malleable player in that you can plug him in pretty much anywhere. And I think he can have a positive impact. I honestly, I think the Knicks could have, they'd be a little small, obviously if Grimes is your um, three and, and Hayward is your four, but um, and, and IQ and Rose are your backcourt. But I think that te- that bench group would, would blow teams out of the water. And I mean, if Hayward is really healthy, you can even say like you could, make him like a token starter and then like bring an OB down the stretch and like basically split time between those two guys. Um, that would be, I don't know. I would, I would, I would get that done right now if it was on the table. Um, maybe the Knicks would be concerned about big, bringing in another big contract because I guess part of the appeal of getting off of Randall would be that that money would just open up and you could use that to add like another piece. Like if you do make a Donovan Mitchell trade down the road um, and it would also be, I think Ubre would be like lightly intriguing as like another scorer. I just think his defense becomes concerning again, especially if you go the Brunson Mitchell direction. But it's there to your point, a near perfect partner for the Knicks in that there's I think a number of different pathways that work out for both teams. So certainly something to watch down the road. But uh, Alex, if I want to uh, pack on some muscle this offseason, I don't know if people would say I need that given my my current uh, beastly nature, but. If I hypothetically did, where, where, where would you point me? Well, Gavin, there's always room to get more yoked over the summer. So, mm. you know, good news. You could still eat some Built Bars. Man, I'm already and... ripping through T-shirts. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Pack on some mass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are really depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor. Are you ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate that's right built has done it again let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered in 100 real chocolate all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein to help you recover from those workouts and get real big gavin uh run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family it will be a perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself that is what i've done uh <laughs> i got some cookie dough chunk puffs and i've hidden them uh for myself like all built bars the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100 real chocolate that means they're healthy and tasty Chocolate covered cookie dough with the light, fluffy texture. They are so good. And what's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Gavin, we are back to talk. More mailbag questions, and we're back on the Donovan Mitchell trade. Uh, we took one quick 
journey away from it, but uh, we're we're right back where we where we're meant to be talking about a Donovan Mitchell trade. So I'm gonna I'm gonna package these two questions together because they both talk about trade packages. So we could just talk about it all at once. Uh, we have one question from Mukaro Komun uh, at Mukaro Komun on on Twitter. Feels like the most prevalent trade package rumored is Quentin Grimes, Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, and picks. If that's the package, what's your rotation? Uh, actually, you know what? Let's let's just briefly talk about that by itself, and then we'll get to Yoram Lakaj's uh, question, which is more about a, a trade package. So, if if Grimes, Rose, Fournier, and picks go out, uh, which I would, I'm gonna say I would probably, if I was a betting man, say the Deuce probably goes out too as like a sweetener in that case. Uh, Gavin, real quick, because I'm sure that we're going to have much more time to talk about this if an actual trade goes down, but what would your rough rotation be if that's the case? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the the issue here, which I'm going to Urim kind of solves with, with laying out the full package is I need to know who I'm getting back from the jazz. Can I, can I swing a Bogdanovich or is it capped at a Rudy Gay? Because the, the big hole coming out of that trade is, uh, I mean, again, assuming you're making another deal to get off of Randall, and I, it, it's so it's so weird. Like this, this is a little little sidebar, but everyone who talks about this trade talks as if inevitably a Randall deal will be in quick succession. Because it's like, oh, there's no way you could play these four guys together, and I am I'm in total agreement with that. But on paper, like that's exactly what you wanted. You're like, wow, we got two stars in in Mitchell and uh, Randall, and we have uh, between RJ and Brunson, we got another one. I mean, just from a pure talent play perspective, that is what the Knicks have aspired for, but Randall, unfortunately, is just not that dude. So now you got to, like, all of a sudden, like, you're in kind of desperation mode to figure out your power forward rotation. So um, assuming that they get off of Randall, um, it would be Brunson, Mitchell, RJ, OB, Mitch, and then the bench is IQ, Deuce, Cam, and then your power forward either needs to be Bogey if you can get him from the Jazz, or Rudy Gay if you can get him from the Jazz, um, or Hartenstein. I well, no, Hartenstein at center, um, or like I guess like the worst case there, power forward is that Obi's your backup power forward because Randall is still your starter. Um, an intriguing version of all this would be if the Knicks made the trade, didn't move off of Randall, and then just moved uh, Randall to the bench. But I don't think uh, that would that would end with uh, anything other than MSG burning to the ground. But Alex, uh, what does your rotation look like? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you with the the power forward position. I do think that, you know, if if a Mitchell trade has a Randall uh, trade attached to it right away, then you're going to you're going to have a big hole there. So I, I think that they would have to say to the Jazz, like, give us one of, you know, Bogdanovich or Rudy Gay to play backup power forward for us. Um, and, and I don't even know who I would necessarily, I guess Bogdanovich, you know, I think is more talented, but I, I kind of like Rudy Gay's fit. Like I just love the player that he's become. So I would maybe want him as the, the guy that comes back along with Mitchell, um, which might also like Utah probably wouldn't also then try to be like, well, now you owe us extra picks or something because like Bogdanovich, we I guarantee you we could get a first for him or whatever because Danny H thinks like every player on his roster is worth at least one first round pick. Um, but uh, yeah, it, as far as the actual rotation, you know, it all depends if if it's the the package that is said here and you still have IQ, then obviously yeah, IQ is going to 
factor in as your biggest uh, guy off the bench, hopefully. So you would have Brunson and Mitchell starting in the backcourt. IQ hopefully soaking up most of the minutes behind them. If Derek Rose remains on the roster, I would like the idea of just kind of moving him into a utility and mentor role this year. Mostly because I just think IQ is ready to take that next step as the high minute guy off the bench. Uh, but also, you know, it, I think it would work better for his health at this point, as far as Rose is concerned, you know, last year was rough for him. He had the ankle injury and the ankle surgery and had a tough recovery from that. I mean, the guy has had like every part, uh, you know, every joint of his lower extremities, uh, you know, uh, operated on at some point or another. So maybe, maybe just, you know, start easing the path for him going forward throughout the rest of his career, uh, as like a, a medium to low minute backup um then at the small forward you know it's it's sort of like what you said you know with with no more grimes there anymore um you have rj and you have cam reddish you know he'd probably get most of the minutes behind rj at that point uh and then as far as the power forward obi soaking up the most minutes like 30 plus whoever you get as the backup taking up uh the other minutes or maybe you know, if you can combine it in tandem with like this Charlotte deal that we were talking about, you know, in the first segment, then maybe you get like PJ Washington to be the backup there or Gordon Hayward for that matter. And then the center, I, I feel like we don't have to talk about it at all because the Knicks maybe have the most rock solid center rotation in the NBA with Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein and Jericho Sims. So they'll get minutes. Sims probably will have to wait for injuries of some sort or someone to be resting to get too much in the way of minutes. But Mostly Mitch and Hartenstein there. So I think that's that. Uh, I think we can move to our next question, though, which, as you said, maybe lays out an interesting uh, way for this to work where, uh, it, you know, the Knicks can get a backup power forward in one fell swoop. Uh, our buddy Yuram Lakaj at Lakaj uh, sent us a mock trade on Twitter. It was Donovan Mitchell and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich coming to the Knicks. And then the Jazz getting Russell Westbrook and Emmanuel quickly. Uh, and then the Lakers getting Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, and Patrick Beverly from the Jazz. Uh, and then Yurum noted uh, Los Angeles in this case would send two firsts to Utah for taking on Westbrook and for receiving Randle and Fournier and Beverly back. Uh, New York would send Utah five firsts. I don't know exactly what which first those would be, but whatever. Uh, Utah ends up with seven total firsts. They unload Bogey and Beverly. They get IQ. They get a ton of cap space starting next year. The Lakers get three very good players. And the Knicks get Mitchell and an expiring Bogdanovich and clear money for the RJ extension. Thoughts? Um, my only thought with this, the last part I don't think is an issue. Like clearing money for the RJ extension, I think the Knicks are hopefully in a place to finally take advantage of the fact that they're a James Dolan run team. And that he's willing to dip into the luxury tax if there's something to actually pay for uh, or to play for, I guess I should say, play for and pay for. But, you know, I, that I'm not too concerned about. Like, I don't think that they're like trying to skirt the luxury tax here. And it's like, oh, man, you know, this RJ extension is really going to screw us once that kicks in. Like, no, that's where you're the New York Knicks. And you can, you know, Dolan has been getting luxury tax payouts and stuff for years now because like Leon and even all the way back to like Phil Jackson have been doing a pretty good job of keeping keeping the powder dry until it's time to spend big and I actually don't know if the Knicks have been a luxury tax team in like 10 years so 
it, the time has come for Dolan to pay a little luxury tax on this RJ extension if it comes down to it. Um, but as far as the other stuff, like I do like getting back Bogdanovich. It, it, I honestly, if the cost of business is essentially just Randall Fournier quickly in picks to get this done, and you also get back Bogdanovich, or even you could sub in Rudy Gay there. I, I like that a lot. I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but quickly ceiling, I think, is higher than maybe Obi or Grimes. Uh, but the path to minutes for him is going to be a much tougher one on a team with both Brunson uh, and Donovan Mitchell, who are figured to soak up, especially under Tibbs, like 35 minutes a game each. Um, so it's, you know, just from a pure fit perspective and if IQ could get your overall like pick haul and asset haul down just by virtue of him being better, I, I, I like this deal. So if this was on the table, I would definitely do it. And I, I think the Lakers, if, if they're willing to put aside being like the main character of a trade, this would be a pretty good trade for them too. Yeah. I've been able to talk myself into the Knicks keeping quickly a little bit more. I mean, you look at that, like if each of those guys are playing 35 minutes, I mean, that's 26 minutes a night for quickly, assuming Tibbs is comfortable plugging him in at the one or the two, which if, if you're in the business of uh, playing two guards already who are undersized, what's what, what's what's the difference with the third guard who's undersized in that mix, especially if Quentin Grimes isn't available to soak up those minutes. And then you have an injury to one of those guys, maybe quickly ends the year averaging something like 28, 29 minutes per game. Like I, I've talked myself into it being plausible. He's, he's just great insurance if anything happens to those two players but i'm still with you in that just in terms of fit he's he's the one who makes the most sense to send out in terms of justifying erm's trade personally i'm much more excited about getting uh bogdanovich than i am rudy gay just because i, I think gay is like maybe a little washed at this point like two three years ago i'm like not he wasn't terrible last year but he just uh he did not play really an essential role for that jazz team while Bogdanovich is is essentially like a slightly bulkier version literally just 20 pounds more muscle that then Evan Fournier and they're very similar as players and they have very similar weaknesses on the defensive end. Um, Fournier may be slightly better as a passer, but I can't say I've watched enough of Bogdanovich to really confirm that. But Bogdanovich is like a bonafide scorer. Dude was like just under 20 points per game last season has hovered right around there for essentially the last like six or seven years. Um, and that as um, again, I mean, similar to what we were just talking about with Hayward, you throw that guy in the bench lineup and just let him cook. Like that's he he's a six man of the year candidate, like full stop right away. And and you pair him with Grimes, like someone who can compensate defensively a little bit, Hartenstein, who can cover up defensively a little bit. Um, that's a pretty interesting lineup. So similar to last time, I just um I played out what the rotation would look like for this, and I, I feel uh pretty good about it. It would be starting lineup, Brunson Mitchell, RJ OB Mitch, bench, Rose, Grimes, Cam, Bogey, Hartenstein. And I, I like just like the length you have on the perimeter between Grimes, Cam, and Bogey. That's like 6'5", obviously, 6'8", with Cam, 6'7", and Bogey. Um, Hartenstein is one of the better rim protectors in basketball. You have Rose getting to the lane, spraying it out to, I mean, obviously Cam hasn't flashed this consistently, but three, like two absolutely elite shooters in Grimes and Bogey and one pretty good one in Cam, and maybe a decent one in Hartenstein if he takes the next step in his game and he becomes a consistent threat from three point range. Like I I'm just loving the, uh, the possibility that Knicks could throw together Alex in their bench lineup. If, um, if this kind of trade comes together and, and to your point, if, if I accuse the cost 
of doing business. And um, the, out of those five first round picks, only three of them are the Knicks own picks. To me, that's the place where this trade should end. Like one, one of the Knicks key young guys, three first round picks and then filler. Um, so I'm I'm totally on board with this. All right. Well, I think I think Urim has cracked the code. That's the that's the trade right there. We've we've cracked the code. We're ready to go. Uh, we will talk about in just a second uh, what the the potential positives of inserting Obi Toppin into the lineup for Randall are. Uh, but we'll just take our second break here and then come right back and talk about that. All right, and we're back. And we are continuing with our mailbag questions here. We have three more to close the show off, Gavin. First one comes from Cool Clyde at Cool Clyde 10. Great handle. Uh, cool Clyde wants to know, do OB's plus contributions and ceiling outweigh Randall's negatives, i.e. turnovers and ISOs? Who's a better fit at the at the S5 power forward with oh, starting five power forward? <laughs> Lots of me out too. If it helps, I didn't get that either. I was like, <laughs> starting five power forward with Brunson and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt. You know, this is yeah. how you could tell I read the first part of the question, but then just kind of glossed over S5PF. Uh, sounds like that is like sunblock. a sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, so, who was the better fit at the starting five power forward with Brunson and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt? I, if we haven't made this abundantly clear enough, I think it's obvious that Obi is just a better basketball fit at this point. And yes, Obi's plus contributions and ceiling do outweigh Randall's negatives like turnovers and ISOs. Because if you have a team with Jalen Brunson, who you're looking to empower to have more possessions and be more of a focal point, and Donovan Mitchell, who has been like a 30 plus percent usage offensive engine for his whole career, and RJ Barrett, who you even without those two on the team, you had, you know, taking more possessions from Randall last year. I don't know how you can then find enough ball to still give Randall his ISOs that he wants to, you know, take his mid range shots and whatever. So just from that thing alone and, and with how we saw Randall react to not being the focal point all the time last year, I think that is the thing in and of itself that says you got to go Obi over Randall. And yes, Obi's skill set works perfectly because He's a great uh, backdoor cutter along the baseline. He's a great finisher off those cuts. And he's a great guy at getting out in transition like a wide receiver and just awaiting a pass, which I'm sure that, you know, uh, all of Brunson, RJ, and Mitchell would have their head up immediately in transition looking for Obi for that that long-range bomb for the, the dunk down the other end. So I, I think Obi's a perfect fit. Plus, you know, to say nothing of the, the pick-and-roll you know, proficiency that we haven't seen a ton out of with him and the burgeoning shot, which hopefully what we saw at the end of the season when Obi's a little more empowered to not be taken out every time he messes up is more the indicator of what his shooting's going to be going forward. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's Obi by a landslide, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, last year and Obi should presumably only be a better player this season. Even when Obi was like, quote unquote, struggling at points early in the season, Every plus number, number, plus num plus minus number, painted. It's really early in the morning. Uh, painted Ob as the dramatically better player. And look, there's there's context there. There's who the guys are playing with. But it's been true through Ob's whole career. I mean, good things happen when he's on the court. And I sometimes think the phrase uh, connector gets like a little bit overused when describing NBA players. But to me, 
Obi is the epitome of the guy that you want in a star laden lineup. When Mitchell and Brunson and RJ like puncture and distorted defense, you want someone catching the ball off those kicks who is going to make a quick decision, whether it's to shoot immediately or to make the next pass and to have a great sense of what that next pass should be. And to be a guy who sometimes makes like the pass that uh, just absolutely rips apart help defense because they're smart enough to see it and, and actually talented enough to execute it. That is Obi Toppin in a nutshell. And unfortunately, despite the fact that Randall is a good passer, that is the ant antithesis of who Julius Randall is. He catches and he lets the defense catch up because he's saying, do I want to go step back? Do I want to go into a post up? Do I want to uh, back people down until I get a triple team and then pass the basketball? And, and in a specific context on a specific Knicks team, that worked wonders. And the Knicks needed it. They don't need it anymore. They have uh, they have Jalen Brunson. They have R.J. Barrett. They, in this case, they uh, they have Donovan Mitchell. Uh, they, they don't need what Julius Randle brings them. They absolutely need what Obi Toppin brings them. Um, so let's uh, keep it moving as we managed to do five minutes on what was an incredibly obvious question to us. Uh, FC at Frazier D. Coleman, longtime question asker. He wants to know if there's still time to get a question in. Dot, dot, dot. What's the more awkward moment on day one of training camp? Donovan Mitchell pulling up to jazz camp or Aiden at Suns camp? Uh, wow. I'm honestly going to say Aiden with the Suns. I think that's that's almost more acrimonious, even though he's going to be there and Mitchell's probably going to get traded. But what, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, I kind of think the same. Um, if I was DeAndre Aiden, I would not be a super happy camper because, you know, to me, it seems like he was being dangled as like a sign and trade piece to Brooklyn for Durant. And then finally just said, okay, screw you guys. I'm not going to like hold my career in the balance. So you guys could try to trade me. Um, you know, it was essentially my read on that situation when he signed the offer sheet with Indiana. And then, you know, the, <laughs> the sons maybe matched in the most begrudging, you know, restricted free agent match of all time. Um, because they, they paid everybody but him. You know, that's like, that's the really weird part about the whole situation to me is like, they paid Mikhail Bridges. They they paid campaign like last year when they could have been paying Aiton also and then just didn't. And I, I don't know. I mean, that was coming off a finals run. You know, they wind up being a number one seed this year. It just seemed bizarre to me that they never made that happen uh, and just got him locked up. And instead, now they're in this situation where they're going to have him. And I'm sure he'll still play well as far as his teammates are concerned. So, like, that part won't be super awkward. And maybe that changes my answer a little bit. Because I I think he's still going to love Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And they still obviously love him. I mean, Chris Paul, uh, I think, publicly campaigned for him to get paid uh, this year. You know, so, like, obviously there's there's love there between him and his teammates. Um but like, I don't know. I he, him in ownership and you know the front office. Even, but even it, Monty Williams had real issues. Seemingly, yeah, kind of stretch of that playoff run. Yeah, yeah, that too. I mean, it's just there's there's a lot going on there other than just with his teammates. Whereas with Mitchell, I feel like it's almost the opposite. Like, I don't think Mitchell is going to have like beef with Ainge necessarily. Although maybe he'd be a little bit like, "Come on, dude, just take the offer." <laughs> <laughs> like I want to get out of here, but I think it's going to be real awkward with him and his teammates where it's like Mitchell shows up and is like, well, I'm checked out. It's going to be like, if you're, 
you know, like after you put in two weeks notice at your job and you still have to keep working and, you know, you're just kind of sitting there like, come on, like, can this just be over with already? And you're like putting in half effort, you know, you're just kind of saying your goodbyes to people, whatever. And, you know, that sort of thing. I, I kind of feel like that's going to be the case uh, with Mitchell. So I guess it's like pick your poison. Do you want a guy that's locked in long term that is going to always have beef with ownership, but is you know, pretty much lockstep with his teammates and, you know, should be able to contribute to a winning product? Or do you want the guy that's like, okay, I understand I'm not traded yet, but I want to be traded and I'm probably not going to try super hard because I'm on this team with a bunch of young guys that clearly wants to tank and I don't want to tank, you know, so it's pick your poison. But I I think ultimately just because of the long-term ramifications, I think eight and long-term is going to be the more awkward situation. Yeah, because Mitchell's actually going to get out. One, exactly. one would assume, one would assume if, you, if you believe uh, Utah radio personalities and Danny Ainge media puppets, maybe he'll stay there forever. Yeah, if, if you believe uh, uh, Chris Mannix, uh, Danny Ainge will win this trade. <laughs> he was saying yesterday. He's dude, like, was like, dude was basically like wearing like war paint. Like if you ripped his shirt off and had like a full body Danny Ainge tattoo, would I would have been, like, been like, you know what, Chris? I appreciate the transparency, man. Thank you for letting us all know. Um, little little known fact right after that uh broadcast he actually had he had the a on his chest and he had um uh four friends come and they spelled out ainge yeah, um, yeah. on their chests and then you know went outside and cheered outside of yeah 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 it was like around. a big like like huddle everyone going daddy, daddy. <laughs> you know what uh chris mannix welcome on this podcast anytime to uh to talk about all this all right uh <laughs> maybe maybe won't anymore uh final question comes from gizzle at new gizzle it was one of my favorite twitter handles uh and gizzle wants to know uh who is most likely to be the star power forward we trade for in the next few years um I thought that framing was interesting because I don't I don't personally think power forward. I mean, with un, unless Obi Toppin goes out in the trade, um, I I don't. I, on one hand, I don't think that's the position to solve. On the other hand, I I sort of get it, right? Because we keep talking about well, like the Knicks got to find that that extra star, and like theoretically, you have your point guard, you have your shooting guard, you have your small forward. If there's a if there's a Donovan Mitchell trade, so it does sort of make sense. But Alex, I guess that being said, uh, who's who, who's the person for you? Yeah, I won't go like mega in depth because James and I actually, I realized as I was putting this question in that James and I answered something similar last week uh, where we were asked like out of the guys that just re-upped their contracts, uh, you know, on extensions who or, you know, new contracts, who would be the one most likely to get traded to the Knicks? And my answer is the same for this. I mean, if they're going to make a, a star swing at power forward, I can't think of any other name than Zion Williamson. Uh and, you know, hey, like Pelicans fans, rightfully so. He just signed an extension, whatever would be like, shut up. Like, he's here to stay. Stop. You know, he signed the extension. Like, you guys can shut up now. Fine. But we're not talking about, like, today. We're talking about, like, I don't know, two years down the line, something like that. You know, because I would assume that the Knicks would probably want to give Obi a chance in the, the starting power forward role. And, you know, if he proves himself, then maybe you've already got that guy. I mean, I, I do think there's a very real chance that Obi could be like an 18 point per game scorer out of the power forward spot this year. And if that's the case, like how much more starry do you really need to get with that much scoring around the roster? Um, so, you know, I, I I guess Zion would just be the guy that I'd be like, well, he's he's the guy that's had the most ties to the Knicks. He's you know, he'll probably he would probably want to play with RJ Barrett, you know, so if, if he was ever to ask out, he would 
most likely put the Knicks near the top of his list. Um, you know, I, I think that he would be the guy at some point. I I actually wonder if more so than power forward, like if Obi ends up working out, I wonder if center becomes the position that in a year or two they're starting to canvas around and be like, okay, is there a star center that wants out somewhere? Like maybe it, this league turns over so fast. Like in two years, the Joel Embiid and James Harden thing could not work out in Philly and James Harden in the course of two years. I mean, he's not super young could be, you know, ready to uh, like, or just kind of at a point in his career where he's not as impactful anymore. And Joel Embiid might be like, well, I'm ready to go. (laughs) Just be like, okay, trade me. And the Knicks would make sense as a destination for him because of the Leon Rose connection. Um, You know, he's probably the guy that most comes to mind otherwise. And so he's not a power forward, but, a big, you know what I mean? I, I think a, a star big would be like their target if they were going to go the route of trying to upgrade the roster in a couple years. And I think a guy like Embiid it would make a lot of sense too, potentially in like two years if things in Philly don't work out. So that those are probably my two main answers. Though it's tough to predict, you know, it's like if you would have asked me last year, like, oh, are the Knicks going to be in play for Donovan Mitchell next summer? I would have been like, hell no. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like the Jazz are really good and you know they've been down on the luck a little bit but clearly they're they're really you know committed to building with Gobert and Mitchell and now here we are so thing it's it's like impossible to predict but my two names I would say would be Zion or Joel Embiid yeah uh I I think I look at the question slightly differently in that I think the kind of player the Knicks would need to get assuming they got Mitchell to ascend to title contention status and like not these two guys specifically because they'll probably be too old at this point but players like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard like I think you need like that big alpha defensively focused wing and, and obviously in, in your your best best case scenario RJ Barrett grows into some close approximation of that but I think we would all consider that kind of like a one percent two percent three percent kind of outcome for RJ so assuming that doesn't happen whether you're including RJ in a deal for someone like that or you find a way to keep RJ and you're, you're getting someone to play small ball four, kind of like what the Clippers do, where, where they put out lineups where it's Kawhi, PG, and like, I mean, obviously the Knicks keep Mitch at center, but the Clippers go super small and play like someone like Batum at the center spot. I think you need that kind of perimeter oriented, um, like super size wing, even, even if they're playing as a small ball four. In terms of pure power forwards, though, if I, if I guess if I'm going to take the question at, face value um some of the guys i wrote down real quick were uh tobias harris though that contract is prohibitive and even if you're getting off of randall i think you still need to figure out some some other stuff there um and harris is is a clean fit in that he's a good shooter uh not a clean fit in that you can you can sort of question all right is he really a star and that that is very reasonable um guys who more so fit the star label pascal siakam and, and to me that that kind of trade only goes down if you're sending out someone like an RJ and maybe more, because I think they really, really value Pascal and, and right. I mean, the guys made all NBA two of the last three seasons, but he, he's, he's sort of an interesting fit as a four that can shoot and is very skillful and is long and is good defensively, but doesn't necessarily push you over the top. Jaron Jackson jr. I think something would have to go wrong in Memphis, but to me, he's, he's kind of your dream fit as a, as a four or five and having that flexibility and what he does defensively. And then one that, I think is interesting, but this would be such a swing for the Knicks is if they want to rectify the Kevin Knox mistake and go after uh, Michael Porter Jr. 
Uh, obviously someone who just missed another full year with injury. So there is uh, a understatement of the century to say there is risk attached to acquiring Michael Porter Jr. But man, you, you throw a healthy version of MPJ into what the Knicks have with his ability to, I think, be like one of the best six, eight plus shooters on planet Earth. Maybe when it's all said and done, like uh, post Kevin Durant, the best six, eight plus shooter on planet Earth. Like that's that's a pretty ideal fit. Uh defensive concerns aside so those are those are some of the names i thought of but i i don't know i would i would still kind of fall back on like the type of player the knicks ultimately have to get is just one of those like elite two-way wings yeah well count me all the way out on michael porter jr but Fair. i i <laughs> I think I think that ship has sailed. Like honestly, at this point, I don't even look at that as a mistake that the Knicks made anymore because I think his yeah. back is destroyed. Like I don't yeah. the guy was getting back surgery as a freshman in college. That's not generally a great sign at 18, 19 years old. But yeah. um yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, it you know, if you're talking about in general, I do think that having a more flexy wing, you know, big wing type guy would maybe be the move here. Um so again, though, it's just it's so. Those like, guys don't grow on trees. Exactly, and it's yeah. so early. You know, it's like there's there's no way to predict what's going to happen even a year from now in the NBA. So it's it's sort of a fool's errand, but it is fun to speculate. At any rate, I think we've done enough speculating on this pod, and this does conclude our July mailbag. We did it a little later this year because we had all the free agency stuff uh, or this year, this month, because we had all the free agency stuff uh, to start the month. So appreciate everybody who asked questions. We will maybe be turning around quick and doing an August mailbag because we're about to hit the, uh, the dry desert of off season content. Uh, so, you know, maybe you'll be hearing from us again soon with more mailbag uh, uh, solicitations, but at any rate, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with more podcasts for you guys on your feed coming up uh, next or well to end this week and then next week and beyond. We've we still got you covered multiple days a week, every week for the whole off season, because that is what we do. But until next time, thank you all for listening. Talk to you all soon. Peace out.